At every ARBA convention, we're greeted by a banner that reads, For five days, you don't have to explain to anyone why you raise rabbits. Our hobby sometimes raises eyebrows. You show what? But once you step inside, you'll discover a world full of passionate, interesting people all working toward the ultimate goal, best in show. What can I do for you? Well, I'm looking for a white rabbit. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. If I were looking for a white rabbit, I'd ask the Mad Hatter. Okay, rabbit, you force me to use force. I imagine that right now you're feeling a bit like Alice, tumbling down the rabbit hole. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Best in Show, episode 35. Best in Show is the only podcast dedicated to the show rabbit and KB industry. My name is Alan Messick. I am a rabbit judge from California, and I'm joined each and every week with the beautiful and brilliant Bryony Smith of Kansas. Bryony, how are you doing there? Well, um, seeing as we like to give me <laughs> the weekly weather report for posterity's sake, hopefully this is the last cold snap we'll go through, and spring will actually be here soon. I'm looking forward to the time change, not because I like the change itself, but because I like a little bit of daylight after work. Uh, I have so many comments about what you've just said. Like, first of all, the time change thing. I, I forgot that it was this week. I don't know how it comes so fast in the spring when you lose time. And here I am on the on the heels of, I'm in Houston this weekend judging on Saturday. I'm flying home after judging. <laughs> Tomorrow night I get in, it's like a midnight flight, you know, into LAX to judge a fair, or not a fair, a show at the Orange County Fairgrounds on Sunday. And I'm like, oh, this is such a great idea, you know, when it all comes down to it, like planning it two months ago. And then the time changed, you know, like, oh yeah, because the time changed after I decided this. No, the time change already was changing and <laughs> I accepted it. So I'm, I'm basically going on nothing this weekend. So Houston one day and Orange County the next day. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. And it's last weekend, I was also down here in Houston judging the uh, rodeo and the the stock show, It's which is massive, by the way. It's, it's, it's a really cool event. Last weekend was really unbelievable what they do down here. It was, it's three solid days of judging for rabbits. Meanwhile, of course, there's other species here judging, and it's a very competitive event in large animal livestock in combination with an incredible rodeo. And um, there were, uh, I don't know, 100 meat pens on f- uh, the first day of judging last weekend, which was Saturday, followed by 1,600 youth owned rabbits in a single show on Saturday and Sunday judged by four judges. So, you know, we had loads of rabbits to judge and keep in mind, this is cooped. So it's like a convention. It's the largest youth show, single show, ARBA show for rabbits in youth in the country next to the ARBA convention. It's pretty remarkable what they have going down here. And the committee is fantastic in their fluency and efficiency. Uh, It's, it's, I did not know what I was getting into because I judged here last year, but it was during COVID. So it was a much more abbreviated version of the Houston show. And I'd heard all about Houston, but I was like, well, last year it's like that. This doesn't feel like anything special. (laughs) I I got the full dose last year and I'm back for the open show to judge tomorrow. So yeah, I, I totally get it down here. It's very cool what they've got. And so this is because I know that um, COVID lockdowns kind of started during Houston Livestock Show two years ago. So this is like the first normal-ish 
Houston Livestock Show for three years. I mean, it's hard to believe that, that that's where we are. You're so right. I was actually supposed to judge it in 2020 when everything kind of went down in our country. And Houston was the first big event in our country that really got national coverage for closing the doors during the event. They had, can you imagine, I mean, a livestock event where you've got you know, thousands of exhibitors coming in, thousands of people expected to come to the doors. And midway through the event, it's closed. They say, no, we're not doing this. And they close the door and everyone had to pack up and go home. Can you imagine going to like an Airbnb convention and being like, all right, folks, we got to close this thing down. Everyone's going home. That's what happened at the Houston uh, Rodeo and Livestock Show in 2020. So everyone is really excited to be back here this year during a normal year. Masks are off. Everyone's just gearing to have an amazing event for three weeks throughout the rodeo. And I heard today that last Saturday when we were here, they had a record-breaking day for any number of days um, throughout the history of the, of the rodeo for attendance. So a single day brought in more people than than any in the past. So very cool. Texans are, are really happy to be back here. That's amazing. You know, and I see that sort of excitement about things all over the country. I know that this coming weekend, I've actually turned down some show bids because Nathan's birthday and mine are one day apart. Um, I really enjoy that one day of the year. I'm only a year older than he is. <laughs> um, but it, it's, and I, I told people, you know, I can't, this is the first normal birthdays we've had in three years because they came right after lockdown. I mean, it's hard to believe it's been that long, but it has, it's just, it's surreal, but I sort of still feel like, you know, that meme where Henry Cavill's on the red carpet and Jason Momoa is coming up behind him. <laughs> it's like, it's still a little hard to get comfortable, but it's, it, we're sure <laughs> going to enjoy it while it lasts. Well, happy pre-birthday to you and Nathan both. Well, thank you. It's very cool. Uh, and uh, I actually took my boyfriend last weekend to Houston. He, I, we, I've been picking and choosing events for him to go to <laughs> as I introduce him to the rabbit and KV thing. And uh, so we've done a few very basic shows, you know, very light shows. Like Cardiff by the Sea, for example, was the first one. Oh, there's Tiny by the Park. It's ocean. If you get bored, go take a nap in your car or go sit on the beach. <laughs> uh, so this was our third event together. And there was lots of stuff to see. So I, I literally took him to his first rodeo last Saturday. It was really fun. <laughs> yeah, that is. I don't, you know, I don't know if I've talked about this in the podcast before, um, but Nathan's first show he attended with me was the National Dutch Show in 2014 when we had it in Kansas. And, um, you know, I've taken guys to shows before. It doesn't always go well. I mean, if it's not something you're into, it's easy to get bored. You don't know what's going on. The person you're with is busy all day. I mean, I get that. So I it's a recipe him, for disaster. Oh, oh, it, it, it totally to is. Totally, totally <laughs> is. Um, so I told him, you know, I'm going to be in Hutchinson. It's about an hour from Wichita. I said, you're welcome to come up. I would like to see you there. Um, you're welcome to stay as long as you want. This is your cutest show up. <laughs> well, yes, show up. In your but I car. told him. If you don't like it, please go leave and find something you like to do. I'm not going to be upset if you come check it out, decide it's not your thing, and leave. I'm going to be mad if you stick around and complain to me about how boring it is because then you're ruining it for me. Exactly. <laughs> and bless him, he showed up. He helped us set up. For He came you know, for the end of the show. And he's like, this part is really boring. I don't like this. <laughs> But I like he likes to go to the banquets and stuff where he gets to hang out with people. He likes to, to hang out with rabbit people outside of a show. Um, so, you know, that's fine. I, you know, I never really, 
I would not have liked anyone to come in and start telling me what to do anyway. That wouldn't work. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, <laughs> yeah. wouldn't be round for round two. I'm telling you what. <laughs> no. Um, no, first so, and last rabbit show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it works. But but I found out. I mean, there there's Bryony's tip for bringing significant <laughs> others to rabbit shows. I mean, really, don't torment them, but don't let them torment you either. <laughs> and that is why we rented a car last weekend when we went to Houston together. <laughs> But he had a great time and we did all of all of what you just said, just tidbits of this is the rabbit show. Now go see cattle <laughs> or go back yeah. to the room <laughs> yeah. right, and let's meet up for dinner. And he did. And we went, we had crawfish and he had never had that before. So it was, it was very fun. And he, as, as we always say, our rabbit family, it doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, if it's your first or, or you've been doing this for 50 years, it, everyone accepts you and uh, we had a great dinner and everyone here down in Houston was so welcoming to him. And I mean, he, it was like as if he had been here a dozen times as with I, and I, and I had met many of these people only once before. So rabbit people are amazing and it's a great place to bring a first, first timer <laughs> Yes, it with is. those, with those qualifiers as you just outlined. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So on to podcast 35. And before we do that, I want to give a reminder to everyone that the rabbitry on Facebook remi- remains as our hub each and every week for past, current, and upcoming episodes for the Best in Show podcast. So make sure you like and follow the rabbitry on Facebook. We have loads of links to our previous episodes, and it's amazing that we're here at episode 35 already. And please like and share those with your friends on Facebook as well. Facebook does and will continue to be the the main uh, vehicle for communication in the rabbit and KV industry, whether it's here or around the world. So those posts do mean a lot to us and helps to spread the word about podcasts as we get our rabbit and KV friends introduced to podcasts, as we've done pretty well over the last year. So again, uh, the Rabbitry on Facebook, like and follow it and do share those posts. And we'd love to hear your comments, whether you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Audible, Spotify, it doesn't matter. We're on it, Best in Show. And we'd love to hear your comments. Please drop us those five-star ratings wherever you listen to the Best in Show podcast and your comments, because we do read uh, each and every week, one or two of those uh, from our listeners. They mean the world to us and they do inspire us to keep going with this podcast, which we started during the pandemic when we couldn't be together. And now we are together. And guess what? The podcast is still going and we'd love to hear your comments. And by the way, I, I keep saying I was down here in Texas and I was last weekend and I'm here again. And, and Brian, just like you, when we travel, uh, so many of the Texans down here stopped me during my judging and said, gosh, we love the podcast. It really inspired us to keep going. And uh, so those words, whether they're in person or on Facebook or on one of the platforms that you listen to Best in Show, those mean the world to us. So please drop those or stop Bryony and I at a show. So Bryony, what do we have in, in store for episode 35? Well, we decided to um, do another one of our episodes that we hope is a timeless reference for people getting into the hobby. Um, we've had a lot of requests for an episode just about rabbit shows in general, something that a beginner could listen to and something that could offer some tips to someone that's been to a few shows as well. So that's what this episode is. We hope it's something that you enjoy, whether you are a beginner or a veteran, and we hope it's something that you will find valuable to share with those people that are beginning with shows and just getting their feet wet and wondering what this crazy world of rabbits is all about. So to help us, we solicit some listener comments on our Facebook page, and our listeners really came out. Um, They did a great job. You're about to hear all the wonderful advice they have to share with you. They really made our job easy with this one, so we appreciate that very much. And as Alan said, our Facebook page is The Rabbitry, 
and you can go and visit this post and read some of our comments. And I'm sure there will be more that come through over the next days and weeks and, you know, chat with others about some of your advice that you have for shows and even some of your questions. There's a wealth of knowledge there to help you answer those and get some different perspectives. Yeah, these comments are great. And I want to thank our audience for for reaching out and giving those excellent comments. We have listener comments from some of the most veteran to some of the most, you know, newbies, and uh, they're very meaningful. And I got to hand it to you, Brian, for putting out that post to solicit these comments from our listeners. Thank you for organizing all this. It's, it's, it's a, when you came to me with the idea, I was like, gosh, this is an ominous, this is a big topic, you know, going to a rabbit show. It's like for your first show. And we had a comment from a listener that said, Hey, I want to go to shows, but they're kind of overwhelming. And uh, can you walk us through it? And I thought, gosh, that's like a whole year of episodes. (laughs) So thank you for inspiring this. And I think there's going to be some really good ones on here, whether it's your first show or whether it's your 50th or whether you're like you and me, there's something to learn from everyone about going to a rabbit or KB show. So Ellen, to start out, um, how do you find rabbit shows? (laughs) Really? (laughs) I'm going to go from, I'm going to go from saying, Oh, that's ominous, but okay. Well, that's yeah. a big question. Um, well, I love rabbit shows, of course. That's why I spent my last 25 years going to them. Um, I think that they are some of the most inclusive uh, environments you could ever encounter. I always say to people, when you go to a rabbit show, it doesn't matter what you do for a living, how much money you have, how old you are, how much experience you have, how good or bad your rabbits are. When you walk into a showroom, it's neutralized. And that, for me, is the magic behind Airbnb shows. What about you? Yeah, I would say the same thing. You know, and it's funny, we have friends that we see at shows and we chit chat with them for years. And we don't know maybe what they do outside of rabbits um, until, you know, we meet them on Facebook. I know um, one of my friends from Missouri who raises mini wrecks. I had no idea he was a public health officer until COVID came around and I <laughs> mentioned that, you know, but but that stuff doesn't matter. Um, you know, it doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter what you do for a living. Um, you know, your sexual orientation doesn't matter. If you're there to have fun and to be part of it, you will be part of it. Um, exactly. I mean, that, that's why I got into rabbits. I mean, I, I told the story when you and I did our very first episode about why we got into rabbits. And I remember being a very confused gay kid in the nineties. And I was like, I don't know what's going on in my head, but these people are really nice, you know? And it didn't matter who I was or, and, and eventually, of course, I came to terms with my own self. Um, and once I did, they were like, oh yeah, Alan, we knew, you know, kind of thing. And <laughs> everyone was wonderful. And I stuck around like, like, and I've had people say to me outside of the rabbit community, do you feel like you're, you've wasted a period of your life by doing rabbits? And I'm like, and I, I always look at them like with this, you know, kind of gasped face, like, no, I don't, not at all. Like these, these people have been there for me and have inspired me to do things beyond rabbits. And I can't imagine not having them in my life or doing this in my life, no matter, you know, where I go. Oh, you know, and I've said several times over the years, I don't know what my life would be like without rabbits, but I really don't care. I mean, <laughs> that, that should be a I bumper know, sticker, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know it'd be very different, but um, we recently had a 4-H family get into rabbits and the mom was a little nervous because she has three kids that are coming to shows um, and a younger one. And one of the kids is on the spectrum. And I said, oh, do not worry. You won't be the only one. People will, you know, accept your kid. It's fine. 
he'll he'll have a good time he'll find friends he'll find people to play with it's it's good and and i think that's one of the things i love the most about it people that maybe have a hard time fitting in for whatever reason if they come to a rabbit show with an open attitude to make friends to have fun and to contribute positively they'll be fine yeah you you and you don't have to have the best rabbits in the show to fit in and to find your place either. You know, we all, none, none of us started with, well, actually I'll, I'll preface that. You did start with the best in show at your first show. <laughs> Most of us did not win best in show. I mean, I'm my very first show. My rabbit was disqualified and the judge told me that to put it on Jenny Craig. And I was like, what's Jenny Craig? You know, <laughs> like what is that? Oh, she's a five pound fuzzy lop. She needs a diet. No, she just was large, you know, but, um, <laughs> A lot of us don't have to have those best in show rabbits. And, and we see people all the time that are in rabbits that stay for years and, and don't win, win best in show at every show or, or even frequently. And they still have a great time. I mean, I can't tell you, I, I don't even show rabbits very often myself. I show at conventions and, um, you know, a few times a year and I find my place, you know, of course I'm judging as well, but even if I wasn't judging, I would still just go if it was a local show just to, to, to be in that atmosphere because it's so infectious. It really is. So um, when people are interested in attending their shows, what is the best way to find out what's going on in your area? Well, let's uh, go to Karen Humphleet from Georgia. She wrote in with a really, really great comment. And this would be my go-to answer too. Karen Humphrey, by the way, and her husband, Phil, run some of the best shows in the Southeast. And really, in my opinion, some of the best shows in the country, they are a, a diehard team. They He superintends, she's secretaries. They're pretty amazing. And uh, Karen wrote in as one of the comments, she said, go to ARBA.net to get informed about the show. That's, of course, the ARBA website. And hopefully find a catalog there for the show. And don't worry if you don't understand everything. Start with basics, deadlines, entries, and uh, you can always ask the show secretary, like Karen, in an email, you know, hey, uh, what's the format for the show and how do I get my entries in? How, how else would you elaborate on that? Yeah, go to ARBA.net. All of our sanctioned shows are listed, and that's what triggers a show to be listed there is when a sanction is obtained through the ARBA. If the show secretary has sent a catalog in, it will be posted there. Not everybody does. However, there will be contact information for the show secretary. So if you look through and you're looking for shows in a particular state on a particular date, you don't see a catalog, contact that show secretary and say, hey, I'm really interested in attending X show. Can you send me some information? Yeah, you got it. And and the other great outlet, which, which we talked about earlier already in this podcast, and we talk about every week is Facebook. Let's face it, rabbits and KVs in the Airbnb community and the show rabbit industry worldwide is linked on Facebook. So if you can't find a catalog, or if it's not on the ARB website yet, and as you just mentioned, the, uh, you know, once the sanctions are, are issued by a club, by the ARBA for that club for that upcoming show, which only has to be up to 30 days before the show. So the Airbnb website sometimes isn't as accurate because the show maybe hasn't scheduled that sanction yet. There's a good chance that that club and those people that are hosting that club have already begun talking about it on Facebook. So looking on Facebook for local rabbit groups, like I live in California, for example. So doing a search on Facebook for California rabbit KV shows kind of thing will bring up links to pages that are maybe more up to date with, you know, the current chat about, Hey, what's going on? What's going on in this area? And it's a great way to communicate and link yourself to uh, other breeders in your area. 
That it is. And another great tip came from David Raywinkle, who said, know the order the rabbits are shown in by variety and then sex and age. I know once I got that figured out, things were a lot less hectic. Yeah, that's, that's a great more, Yeah, it's it's great advice because I think some of us who are veterans kind of forget that someone buys a rabbit, they know they can take it to a show, but they're kind of confused. You know, if they've got a, you know, broken mini Rex, someone calls for mini Rex and they come running over, but they may not know the show order. Um, they may not be familiar with some of the customs, you know, even if they've looked in the standard to see the order that they show in by variety, there are some places in the country that show senior buck, senior doe, junior buck, junior doe. There are other places in the country that show senior buck, junior buck, senior doe, junior doe. So figuring those things out is very helpful too, and will help you be prepared for the show. And as you said, it's different sometimes in different parts of the country. I was in Texas last weekend and this week, and the committee asked me, well, do you want junior bucks to follow senior bucks or do you want senior does to follow senior bucks? And I thought, well, in my head, it really doesn't matter, but, um, well, what are you guys used to? So I would say to an exhibitor that was going to a show for the first time, or whether it's a newer show for them, you know, hang out at the table, find out where many wrecks, if we're going to use that as, as an example, where are they going to be judged that day and hang out in that area? Not only are you going to figure out before you should, <laughs> when you're supposed to go up, but it's a great place to, you know, by osmosis, be around the people that are showing the breed that you love and are there for. So it's just a good place to be. So when your breed is assigned to a judge, find out where that is first and hang out there and plan to spend the time there, uh, whether your breed or variety is up or not. Yes. So I actually saw some of our fans last week at a show at Palmyra, Missouri, and there was a family there whose son was showing English lops in youth. And we talked a little bit about the podcast and they said, oh, it's nice to meet you. We recognize your voice, but we hadn't <laughs> seen you. <laughs> I've had that a few times too. Yeah. So I told him that we plan to do this episode and the young, our young fan said his advice to everyone would be to take your best rabbits to the show. And if you don't know which ones are your best, just take some random <laughs> rabbits. <laughs> and he said, you'll figure out if they're good or not. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good advice. I have to admit that in the next copy of the uh, rabbit production by Dr. Luke Farr <laughs> that's coming out in the ninth edition, uh, I edited the show rabbit chapter for him. <laughs> One of the things he has in there, which is from like the eighties, it says like, you know, just plan to bring a bunch of rabbits. I mean, it doesn't say in this, he says it in very like professor terms, but plan to bring, bring a bunch of rabbits and just figure out how they go. And I'm like, I don't know if that's really good advice, but coming from the mouth of babes as your fan <laughs> brought to you last week, it actually does make sense. And that leads into a next comment from uh, Roxana who says, don't be hesitant to bring a crappy rabbit. What might be a crappy rabbit to you might actually be a best of free winner. It's also uh, maybe a learning opportunity for discussion. We took our daughter's favorite rabbit, little chin to a show in Mount Vernon, Missouri and the judge took some time to explain that it was a dwarf and what physical aspects made it a dwarf. So, you know, sometimes we get to shows and the exhibitors don't know what, even what breed they have. That's totally understandable. You know, I took my five pound fuzzy lob to her first show, my first show. She probably was like, like a long haired mini lop, but that's not a recognized breed. So, you know, it was more of a chat with the judge about, well, Alan, this is what breed you have. So that's totally fine. You know, and I think those are some of the most fun and engaging judging experiences, too. I know a few weeks ago when I was down in Georgia, I disqualified a mini satin for having the wrong color eyes. It was a chocolate with blue-gray eyes, and the exhibitors wanted to look at it. And I said, 
what's in this rabbit's background? Because every time I've ever DQ'd a satin, uh, a black or some other intense color for having off-colored eyes, they tell me there's chin in the background. I was going to yeah, yep, say, yep, there is. quiz me, quiz me, quiz me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. I asked the same uh-huh. question. <laughs> so, so we had that discussion at the show table and you know, it was really cool. The exhibitors learned, here's something to watch for. Here's, you know, maybe a reason to be careful about breeding colors. But when people listen and they're engaged, I mean, those are those are some of the most fun times judging. And I think that's the best part for us. I told somebody last week, the best compliment you can give a judge is to tell them that some advice they gave you at a show or some feedback that they gave you helped you to improve your herd. Absolutely. And when you made that comment about, hey, what's in the background? And I've made that comment too, because I color and my exhibitors will, will, they love me for this. I'm obsessed with eyes and eye spots and you as a Dutch breeder would love this too. Um, and eye color, it's a, it's, a, it's a common thing right now with like black mini satins, for example. Mm-hmm. And, but that comment that, okay, what's in the background? Is there a chin in the background? Yeah, there's chin <laughs> in the background. Always. And then, yeah, always. <laughs> um, not only does that exhibitor get engaged, but how many times do you see other exhibitors going, hey, what are you guys talking about? Oh, can I see? What, yeah. what are you talking about? Oh, wait. Oh, oh, I see that now. I have chin in my background too. Let me go home and check my blacks too. You know, it it's very reciprocal and it's a domino effect when it comes to exchanging knowledge. And as you said, that is the magic and it's, those are the best moments for any of us as ARB judges. Yes, I totally agree. James Cunningham gave us some really good advice too. He said, don't make the big mistake of showing more breeds than you can handle. One, no more than two, because both breeds will usually hit the table at the same time. (laughs) That is, I call it Murphy's Law of Rabbit Shows. Um, (laughs) But I think that's a big thing to think about when you're starting out. A lot of people get excited. They want to show several different breeds. But when you're planning to go to a show, multiply each of those breeds by the number of times that you're showing. By two for a double show, three for a triple show, maybe even four or more if there are specialties. And that's a lot of tables that you have to be at. And the more tables you have to be at during the day, the more you increase your chances of having rabbits on the table at the same time. And if your goal is really to listen to that judge's feedback and to see the other rabbits, you can't do that at two tables at once. Exactly. And we've had podcast guests, uh, you know, from the past year that you and I have spoken to where they give advice about focus and that's focusing on one, maybe two breeds. But if, if you have only so many hours in a day and you've got your, the rest of your life you're dealing with, it's the same, you know, you have only so much time to dedicate. And if you really want to be successful, you've got to concentrate. And we were all first time rabbit breeders. As I always say, every little girl wants a hall and lop. Every little boy like me wants an English Angora. Like we <laughs> all did it. Okay. And with too many breeds going to rabbit show and you at one point just go, Oh my gosh, I, I have no idea what's going on. You're late to the table. The, the judges are mad at you. <laughs> the exhibitors are mad at you because they're hunting you down. The superintendent is mad at you because they, they're sick of yelling your name for the 50th time on the mic. Um, James's advice is very good. Pick one, maybe two, especially if you're new. And I think that the next comment we're going to roll into is also a good backup. If, if you are going to go out there and do more than one or two breeds. So that goes into our planning and prepping for shows and what to take. So, uh, Kristen McDade says, bring a buddy, bring a backup buddy. If you have friends who show, even if it's not, your same breed plan to travel together with someone or at least meet up with someone at the showgrounds that will help you throughout the day. It relieves a lot of stress. And we've seen that so many times where yes, you've got that exhibitor that has many breeds going on, or maybe like in the case when you and I judged 
all of those lion heads in Georgia not too long ago, right? Where they're simultaneously judging on your table and my table. <laughs> the lion head people had backup buddies. And if so-and-so had to go concentrate on chocolates on your table and ruby Ed whites came up on, t- on my table, their backup buddy was able to help them out and get that ruby Ed white to my table while the exhibitor stayed on your table with her chocolates. Yeah, that that was a great system. Um, <laughs> it actually worked very well. Like I, I was very skeptical as you and I talked. I'm like, this is going to be a, a disaster, but it was yeah. beautifully done. Like we, you and I did ninety lion heads times two before lunch. It was, I think, it was way before lunch. Actually, it was oh very yeah, well done. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, next is some practical advice from Katie Ann, who says, invest in the best carrier cart you can and make sure it fits easily into your vehicle. Some shows have gravel and sand parking lots and a cheap cart won't cut it. So that's something sometimes some newer exhibitors don't really think about is you may have to park a little ways away from the show facility, um, especially if you're not an early bird. Um, But sometimes just the way that the parking is set up, you know, there's a little bit of travel time. So a lot of people will have a cart for their carriers. Some people even use like a dolly. Um, But make sure this is something that's got a little bit of... um, it's a little more solid. Um, You don't want necessarily want like a flimsy cart because some of these parking lots are a little rough and you'll just rattle your rabbits all the way into the showroom if they don't have a little bit of shock absorber or something like that to them. Uh, Alan's device, big wheels. It's all about the wheels because let's face face it. We're not showing at the Taj Mahal. Okay. These are fairgrounds and sometimes they're very rural fairgrounds and they've got some cracks in the cement. Even if you get to the showroom and it's, it's, beautifully concrete, the parking spot to the doorway may not be so. So the bigger the wheels, the the sounder your journey with your rabbits on the cart will be. So don't get those little wheels, a cheap cart that just doesn't cut it. All right. Our next comment comes from Stephanie Brundage from California uh, and her advice on, you know, when you get there, what's, how do you prepare for this thing? She goes, have a checklist of things you normally bring to check off while you're unloading and loading up. So do the same for your entry. So there's no extras brought or rabbits left behind. We've all seen that. Um, Include things like food, water, hay, lunch, also for humans, first aid kits, bedding, grooming tables, spare pens, and cage stands. That's actually more than I bring. I have to say that that's Stephanie. That's pretty organized for what I would normally bring to a show. But I'm also one of those ones that goes, oh, I I left that slicker brush at home. I left that grooming spray at home. Oh my gosh, you know, so... Very good advice. Yes, it is. Um, Jim Brown kind of added on to that. He said, make a rabbit show list of what you want and need to take along with you. Update the list as you go along. Make sure you have people snacks on the list too, because they are cheaper in bulk at the grocery store than they are individually at the gas station. And he says, then after a few shows of carrying all your stuff in and out of the showroom, you'll quickly realize what you need and what you don't need. (laughs) And sometimes bringing your own food, let's face it, is more delicious than... Frito boats at the rabbit show. <laughs> Mary Ellen Steinmetz, a judge from the East Coast, says, get everything ready the night before. If you leave it to the early morning hours, you will likely forget it. And I'm a list person, and I have an iPhone, and I try, I try to be as techy as possible. I started making notes in my phone, which are, are much better than when I didn't make lists at all, but I still write stuff on paper. Like I just carry my little, my half sheets of scrap paper together, and I, I make a list. I usually start like two days before an event about what the essentials are. And then I cross them off as I check. And just to elaborate also on Mary Ellen's comment, 
when she's talking about loading up my, my advice, and I'll get your opinion on this too, Bryony, when you're loading up the night before a show, if you're spending the night at home and you're driving to a show in the morning, yes, get your stuff ready, or at least get it near your vehicle, but don't load your rabbits in the car or your cavies in the car the night before they are much fresher. If they come out of their cage, the morning of into their carriers and then into the show, don't load your rabbits and then leave them in the car overnight. Just, they just don't feel good. They would much rather be in their own environment. They're creatures of habit. You know, they just feel safer and they will perform and do better at the show. How do you feel about that? Oh, I I agree completely. Um, I am not by any means a morning person. So loading up all my equipment and things like that the night before means I don't have to get up so early in the morning and I can go right to sleep because I know everything's been done. And definitely you don't want to load your animals up and just let them sit in carriers overnight or in your vehicle. But I would suggest making sure those carriers are prepped, they're clean, they're stacked, they're labeled, you have your dishes in there, and all you have to do is go out to the barn, put the rabbits in the holes, and put the carriers in the car. Exactly. Line them, line the carriers up in the barn, even put the carriers near the cages that they're going to come out of that. I have to do that myself actually. So I don't forget because the night before I'm, I'm a lot more with it than I am in the morning because just like you, I am not a morning person. So if I have the carriers near the rabbits that are going, it's much less likely that I'll forget somebody. Um, and on the topic of getting carriers ready, do you use um, puppy pads or shavings in your carriers? So I've started using puppy pads because that's kind of been what's requested for RHD and I have to follow the rules being who I am. Um, They do actually make them big enough now that one pad will fit in my carriers instead of two. That said, I really like shavings better because they soak up the stink (laughs) so much more. I mean, it's like, it's easier to change puppy pads at the show, but when you're in the show or when you're in the car on the way there, one of them pees and you can smell it. Yeah, that blue Dutch buck, I can guarantee you, is the first stinky one on well, your journey blue to Dutch the show. buck has peed outside <laughs> of the carrier onto the liner right. I have in the back of my car and onto the tray that lines the back <laughs> of my car. There's some real honesty right there. I, yes, you're so right. <laughs> and I'm with you on the puppy pad thing. I was like, oh, that seems like such a waste, you know? Um, but recently I've started to do the puppy pad thing mainly because before I go home and I'm you know heading out after the show – it's so much easier to clean puppy pads in a carrier pan than to find a garbage can with shavings and then to make sure that that garbage can is designated for shavings because let's face it, these fairgrounds are all different. They all have different reasons why you can and can't dispose of what in the trash can and no one likes shavings in the sink. So puppy pads are really easy to just throw anywhere in any trash can and in and out. And then you got a clean ride home until your Dutch, you know, pees all over your, your floorboard. (laughs) that indeed all right james cunningham writes in and says start two weeks out on grooming the rabbits you're taking to the show that you plan to go to trim nails and check for proper color of nails also check in the ears the teeth the eyes check for any basically disqualifications such as dewlaps check the weight and you know basically you know check your rabbits as if you were a registrar against the standard to make sure that you don't have anything going into the show that might get disqualified and load animals with proper labels. And I like this one. I don't do it, by the way, James. This is a really good idea, but load animals in, in proper with proper labels in the holes of those carriers that they're meant to go to um, the next day. This way, we talked about having a buddy at the show. That's have, having someone there to help you. If you can't be at the show table to get your rabbits on the table, if your carriers are labeled with Lionhead, Ruby Ed White, Senior Doe, Tattoo, X1, if that one needs to go up and you're not there because you're doing something else on some other table, your buddy can go easily find X1, the Ruby Ed White, Cedar Doe, Lionhead, and put her on the table. Um, 
And he brings up a wonderful point next. And I know I'm preaching to the choir if I'm talking to you, Brian, but it's check the tattoo to make sure you can read it. And if you can't, to touch it up. How do you feel about that? Um, it's the worst when you, (laughs) when you have tattoos that are kind of faded or, um, I, sometimes it's, I've seen a few times where someone tries to retattoo the rabbit, but instead of like the tattoos, ABC, instead of retracing that ABC, they put another ABC in. So it looks like there's six digits in the ear. It gets very confusing, but yeah, touching up the original tattoo and doing that well before the show. So all the inks out of the ear, so you don't have an ink smeared ear or maybe a rabbit with ink on its foot or God forbid ink on my hands. <laughs> um, yeah, that's something that that is very, very helpful, not only for the judges, but also, like you said, if someone else has to take your rabbits up and back, that they can read that ear number when that rabbit comes off the table because they may not recognize it by sight like you would um, to, to make sure it gets back in the right carrier after the show. Some of these tattoos might as well be written in Mandarin Chinese, I swear. And I'm like, I don't know what this says as I'm, as a judge, and I'm shrieved on the same thing. And legally, we are supposed to disqualify those rabbits that we can't read the tattoos on this. There's a disqualification, an Airbnb general DQ for illegible tattoos. That's a tattoo that the judge cannot make out. So James's comment is a really good one on so many levels. You know, if you can't read it, and even though you might know it, think about someone that has never seen that tattoo before. If they can't read it. There's an issue there. And as you brought up about, you know, doubling up a tattoo, say it says ABC and then it faded and then the exhibitor goes back and puts ABC again. If you can kind of read out that ABC from the previous time you did it, then the tattoo really should be ABC, ABC. And that's a, a very strict Airbnb rule. When a judge reads the tattoo, that tattoo must match what's on the control sheet or the comment card, because that's what's going to be recorded. And I tell exhibitors all the time, if you double a tattoo, totally appreciate that now I can read it. But the problem is there's a little bit of that previous tattoo in there. And if the rabbit earns a leg for ABC, but now I'm like, no, it actually says ABC, ABC. And that's what's got to go on this paperwork. That leg doesn't match its previous legs. And it makes earning a grand championship even harder. So that what's in the ear needs to match the paperwork and it needs to be legible and to be readable by everyone, including your buddy, if they're going to help you. Um, James goes on to say, take a chair to the show. You know, you don't have to set up your whole camp. You don't have to set up your living room, your play pens and all that kind of stuff, but bring a chair because there is some downtime. And he also recommends taking a tarp to the show because sometimes we show on dirt floors, which is of course not always the best, but sometimes they are dirt and it's dirty and your feet get dirty. The carriers get dirty. Then the rabbits get dirty. So bringing a tarp sometimes, if you know that the show showroom floor is going to be a dirt one to put down first to put your uh, your carriers on top. It will make a much cleaner day for for you and for your rabbits. Also, he recommends taking a small trash bag so you can throw your waste in there. And from a show perspective, we've all cleaned up after shows when everyone's left. If you bring a trash bag, gosh, we would love exhibitors. We would appreciate you so much more by just picking up your trash. Uh, he finishes by saying, you know, be respectful of judges' decisions and their opinions. Those are their opinions. And congratulate the winners and thank the judges. And then, of course, help clean up before you hit the road home. I love all of that. Thanks, James, for writing up with those good words. Yes, absolutely. I really like the point about taking a chair but not setting up a camp. (laughs) I don't know how many times we've been to shows, and we will see someone bring half a dozen rabbits, eight chairs, two coolers, um, some blankets on the floor, blocking out a playpen area, um, some toys on the floor, some video games, whatnot. 
And, you know, I get it. It's it's a long day, especially if you have kids. It's a long day. You want them to be entertained somehow. However, not every showroom has space for that. And I think one of my pet peeves in all of humanity is not being conscious of the way that you're occupying space and the way that it affects others. So that's a really good point. You know, you can always put those chairs in the car, but if there's not room for that, if it's a tight showroom, um, make sure everyone has a room to bring their rabbits in the showroom. Make sure people can get through the showroom from table to table effectively without tripping over things. Um, One of the things I've seen people get recently are some of these little stools that fold up. So maybe you take your camp chair and once you've got three of those out, it takes quite a bit, take quite a bit of room. But if you've got these little foldable stools, you can just unfold that, sit down, have a seat. You're not taking up any more room than you would be if you were standing up. Um, The stools are not, you know, as big around as we are. So that's a good alternative. You know, if showroom space is tight to be able to not be on your feet all day, but also not occupying excess space. I totally love it. I I was actually uh, introduced to these, uh, maybe they're the same stools you're talking about, but they, I saw them last weekend in Texas. They literally fold up into like a disc. They're amazing. And they need to be like rabbit show awards, by the way. We're going to have to post a photo of this on Facebook. I, I took a video of actually this list lady with these incredible chairs and they, they fold down. They look like kind of like a drum and you sit on it when you need to sit on it. And then you can pack it in your bag and your, in your little canvas bag to go home. It's brilliant. I was actually at a show once where a family brought literally two full couches and a uh, big screen TV because the football game might actually start playing before the show was over. It was not good. So don't do that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, it was a wow moment. <laughs> well, our okay. next comment is from Roxana Dabney, um, who echoes some of the others and says, when showing multiple breeds, label your carriers with each class and ear ID. This will let other breeders put your rabbit on the table if you're showing another breed to let the breed continue to be shown without delays. That's another thing to think about too. We've talked about this a little bit. But if you've got separate breeds, make sure they're in separate carriers because you may need to carry some rabbits over to the table in one part of the showroom while another breed is showing completely in the opposite corner. And if those rabbits are in the same carrier, there's going to be a lot of confusion and running back and forth. Um, So yes, if you're showing multiple breeds, try to put them in separate carriers. And if you're showing multiple varieties or classes within a breed, it's very helpful if you can load and line those rabbits up kind of in class order. So if you've got, you know, three senior does, put them all in the same carrier. Don't put one senior doe in one carrier, one in a third carrier, and, you know, one in another over in the corner. You know, kind of line them up and load them in the order that they would show. Because again, this is going to make things a lot easier for someone that's helping you to not, you know, have to go through all of your carriers, to not have to check ear numbers of every rabbit in your carrier, but just say, yes, she had three senior does in this class and here they are. Boom, 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 right in a row. Let me put these up on the table. Exactly. And it's going to help you as an exhibitor too. Maybe you're showing 20 rabbits at a show and you might have four senior does in the broken miniarex class, for example, and you forgot that you entered four and you bring three up to the table. If they're all lined up next to each other in the carrier near each other, it's going to help you like deductive reasoning. Oh, what's that one? Oh, that's another broken senior doe. And then you don't, you're not that, you're not that person that's, that's late <laughs> to the table. <laughs> yes. All right. Next advice comes from uh, Leah Bowles. She says, dress in layers. It's cold in the morning and can get quite warm in the afternoon. And I am allergic to the cold as everyone knows. When you and I were at that show in Georgia, my gosh, I did not want to go to the bathroom because I had to step outside to use the restroom. It was so bitterly cold. And by the afternoon, it was beautiful. So yeah, I totally uh, uh, admire what Leah said, just dress in layers, you know, plan to take it off or put it back on. Uh, sometimes these shows are long. Sometimes we start in the cold and it gets warm and then it gets cold again because we're there a long time and then you've got to bundle back up. So d- 
layers is a great bit of advice. Yes. Um, long underwear is fantastic. And it's not all the thick thermal stuff that, you know, kind of gets tight under your clothes. There's some um, pieces now, and I have several in my rabbit show wardrobe that are pretty thin, but still give you a lot more warmth. And uh, warm socks is another thing. This is a time of year when they're kind of starting to go on sale sometimes at farm stores. Mm. I'm never more miserable than when my feet are freezing. Ugh. So there are definitely shows where I take my extra thick socks and I've even found that the, the company that makes the hand warmers, they make foot warmers too. Ooh, good advice. Hot hands insoles. They're fantastic. <laughs> Allie Rudy says, my best advice is to work with your rabbits prior to the show on table manners, clipping toenails, etc. It's so important to get a good night's rest before the show. When you get to the show, give yourself enough time that you don't feel rushed. Support the clubs in any way you can and have a smile on your face, even if it's a long day. Great advice. I love the the last part where she says, support the clubs in, in any way you can. And in any way you can might be picking up to write comments for a breed that you don't show. You know, it's picking up where it looks like the show committee is strapped and the breeders are strapped and there's something that's got to be done to help with the efficiency of the day. And it, it also could just mean helping pick up trash at the end of the day. So thank you very much, Ali. I love that. Um, Alex McLean writes in, the biggest thing I have seen while showing rabbits is to really look your animals over before putting them on the table, having rabbit hygiene and health. I've seen good rabbits placed low in classes or DQ due to their long toenails and poor health. By the way, long toenails are not a DQ, but uh, <laughs> maybe he's seen that happen. Uh, showing not only shows off your animals, but it definitely shows off you as a breeder and caretaker of that animal. And we are all ambassadors of the show animal industry, whether we're rabbit breeders, KV breeders, or judges. And we always uh, should be showing ourselves and our animals off to the best health potential because that should be first and foremost. I, I always say on my farm, if you don't take care of your animals, they won't take care of you. And it's very, very important to take care of those animals and, and have them healthy because if they're healthy, they're going to probably do better for you and for the entire industry than if they weren't. Yes. And as we talked about a little bit before we started recording, um, we've all heard you know, people tell us at the table, we have a rabbit that's a little thin in flesh, and they, they say, well, you know, we had to get it underweight. If you have to cut a rabbit's feed to where it's rough over the spine, where it's thin in flesh, where it's not filled out, firm, full, to get it to weight, it's not a show rabbit. Um, a thin rabbit that w is within weight is not going to place well. Um, it's not a show rabbit. It's a brood animal. It's not. And and we have to also face that not every hollenop is made to be four pounds. Not every Netherland dwarf is made to be two and a half pounds. Go down the breed list. There's a breed, there's a max weight for many, many breeds, except for our largest breeds. Some rabbits aren't meant to be at their max weight. They are actually larger, especially in dwarf breeds, where if they if the dwarf genes skipped them in the, their genetic makeup, they're never going to be their weight limit. And that's okay. That means they're not show rabbits. They're brood animals. And taking them off feed to match that weight, they're not going to feel good. You know, sometimes I have to make comments like, the best thing you can do for this rabbit, it is four pounds to haul them up. But it's to give it some food. It's not meant to be four pounds. It needs to be five pounds. And if it's a worthy animal, then it maybe needs to be put into a breeding program. If not, then it'll make a great pet for somebody. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Those are some of the best brood does out there. And if, you know, even if it's a buck, if that animal has a trait that your herd really needs, it doesn't mean it's not a good animal. It doesn't mean it's not worthwhile. It just means it's not a show rabbit and its health should always come before, you know, getting it underweight on a table. 
Amy Lynn McDevitt gave us some good organizational tips. She says, first she says, get a good coffee. Then she says, we have a go-to binder. It has exhibitor reports, hotel information, a copy of each rabbit's pedigree, sales sheets if you're selling or buying any rabbits at the show, especially at national conventions where these are required, the sales slips. Area restaurant information. She said, it's not all about the show. It's also hanging out with your rabbit friends later in the evening. I also add extra plastic sleeves so I can drop in the comment cards for each rabbit or their placement for the day. This binder has been a game changer for us and and how we feel at the shows because it relieves a lot of stress. Great advice. And I would say to anyone that, that brings it a binder, I don't because I lose stuff. <laughs> but um, make sure that the information you bring in those binders, if you're taking it from home, can be replaced. In other words, have an electronic copy of it. Because back in the day when I did take everything to a show, it would be like one copy handwritten of a pedigree. And if I left the binder somewhere and lost somewhere, I would never see it again. So make sure if you're taking those records, if possible, to have an electronic copy back home. And by the way, Emily, I totally agree on the coffee thing because good coffee is an excellent way to start any early rabbit show morning. All right, next we're going to talk about entering the show. And this comment also comes from Karen Humphrey of Georgia, the secretary extraordinaire. She says to plan on being at the show at least an hour before the show starts and find the secretary first, pay for your entries if you paid online, for example, or if you entered online through email, so therefore you owe money, uh, figure out how to find where you're going to be during that day. So look for a lineup that has your breed listed. Check your paperwork for errors very carefully because, you know, we send our entries in via email and the secretary that inputs them, there's there could be an error. There could be, you know, secretary, she's gosh, or she or he is going through a lot of rabbits, thousands of entries. It's perfectly known that they might make a mistake and enter your rabbit or, or enter the digits in the, in the tattoo wrong. So definitely check over your paperwork first thing in the morning to make sure it actually matches the animals that you brought and the entry that you intended to look like. Um, and then she says, cannot be stressed enough to look at paperwork and correct it before the show begins. Almost most secretaries will give some leeway to first timers plan on spending the day. Don't plan on being home in time for uh, Sally's wedding. As she says, <laughs> that starts at three. We all have tried that. I've tried to go to weddings after rabbit show. It just doesn't work out. I might show up for drinks at the reception afterwards. Uh, Karen goes on to say, if possible, set up near people who are showing the same breed. Ask the show secretary to point out uh, someone that might be showing that breed if you don't know them. And this way they, you can kind of follow their lead and they're going to mentor you. And as we talked about earlier in this podcast, as we talk about a lot of times in this uh, podcast, that it's a rabbit family. And even if we're competitors, there's a very friendly camaraderie amongst all of us. And, uh, following the lead of, of a mentor is going to be very beneficial. Karen goes on to say, watch and learn and ask questions and don't expect to understand everything the first time you show or even the second, third time, or as I'll go on to say, the 5,000th time. We're always learning something brand, brand new. So thanks, Karen, for that comment. Yes, that's very helpful. Um, I'd like to add, there are still some shows in parts of the country that do mostly day of show entry, but ever since RHD, covid Etc. A lot of shows have been going to pre-entry as a Kansan. I was kind of resistant to this for a long time because that's not how we do things here. And I, I admit still, it is nice to be able to just go out in the barn in the morning and say, who looks good today? You, you, and you. Um, you know, because every once in a while you get those rabbits that just blossom the day after entries are due if it's pre-entry or the rabbits that start to molt the day after you've paid for their entry. Um, but the pre-entry really does help the show plan. It, you know, helps when you're an exhibitor, when you walk in that day, you don't have to sit down and make your entries and stand in line to turn them in. 
you just look over your check-in sheet and make any corrections that need to be made. You will have a confirmation sheet from the secretary that you can use when you're loading your carriers up. Um, so it's really helpful. And the last comment in the next one kind of pertain to those day of show entry or to those pre-entry shows. But some of this advice is same for the day of show entry too. If you're not sure how to enter, um, you know, ask someone who's standing in line, ask the show secretary. They may look a little bit frazzled, but they would rather give you instructions now than have to call you back once your breed is on the table and say, hey, um, you wrote down that you had a solid mini Rex. What color is this? <laughs> or, um, you know, this comment card is missing a sex for this rabbit. What is it? Um, so, you know, feel free to ask those questions, whether it is a pre-entry or a day of show entry show. Our next comment is from Griffin Hara, who is a show secretary on the West Coast, who says, as a show secretary, one thing I'd recommend for newcomers is to not be hesitant to ask questions of the show staff. I don't mind answering questions and guiding folks through the entry process. Figuring out how to enter animals or entering them in a proper manner can be difficult the first time. I find that if folks ask questions, it's a great opportunity to shape them into good exhibitors from the get-go. I'd also like to recommend just being sure to utilize the gap between the entry deadline and the change deadline. Changes at the show can be overwhelming, especially for new folks. And I'd like to insert here, changes may not be made at the table. That is an ARBA show rule. Um, there are times when a person will swear up and down that a change has been made. And as a judge, I typically send them back to the show secretary to confirm that because sometimes it will have been done, but it won't be reflected in the paperwork. But changes are not to be made at the show table. There's really not an excuse for that. So back to Griffin's comment, he says, as a secretary, I understand that I'm often the first point of contact and advice in this hobby. I am a lot of time the person who they contact when they see there is a show at a local fairgrounds and they ask how the heck do they even get involved? I'm here to help everyone. And our show secretaries really do. Um, they take on a large volunteer role for the most part. Um, some of them are, you know, reimbursed for the supplies that they spend or even, you know, paid for a room. But this is a volunteer job. And these are people who take on this job because they like to help people and, you know, help encourage them, keep them organized and make sure the show runs smoothly. And you're right. They do serve as a, as a hub for questions. So if you've got a question, you know, go to someone like Karen or, or Griffin or your show secretary. And oftentimes they're the most wonderful, warm people in the showroom. They're oftentimes flustered and overwhelmed by the amount of work that you just portrayed. It's, it's a lot of work for them, but um, they're doing this out of love and passion for the, for the industry and those people, whether they're new or they're, whether they've been there for the 50th time. So go to them as a hub for, for find out, finding out, you know, exactly what to do and where to go. Uh, so once we're at the show, we've got a comment from Gail Hicks from Nevada. She says, walk around the showroom prior to judging so you know exactly where your breeds are going to be judged, especially at larger shows. It really helps to know where you need to be. And this kind of goes back to uh, a lot of comments, actually, that we've talked about so far. It's like figuring out once you get there, after you've paid your entries and made sure your paperwork is good, find out where your breeds are. And at different parts of the country, in different parts of the country, sometimes the lineups are posted you know, for that judge throughout the day, you've got, you know, A to Z, what you're going to be doing that that judge is going to have on their table. And sometimes it's not, sometimes it is posted as a judge finishes a breed, then they get the next one. And then the superintendent is walking around and kind of updating those. So being vigilant, walking around, being an active participant in the rabbit show that will uh, pay off loads. So yes, we bring those chairs to sit down. We rarely sit in them <laughs> for reasons. So walking around and making sure you are up to date, whether that show superintendent has outline that that schedule for a judge with all breeds early in the morning or whether it's an ongoing update 
being an active uh, visitor in the show and walking around and making sure and listening to those announcements will better prepare you for getting to the table on time and not being too late and then having a much better experience. I think it's funny. I'm sure this has happened to you too, but pretty much every show I judge, at least one exhibitor will come up and ask me, do you know where such and such breed is judged? And I kind of want to say, does it look like I've been walking around the showroom this morning? <laughs> I, I love that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's usually like, um, it's usually a little kid and they're like, are you doing hall ops, senior bucks? And I'm like, no, these are Flemish giants, <laughs> but, but I keep walking around and reading those, those lineups. Maybe you'll find it or go and ask the superintendent or show secretary. <laughs> Yep. And that's usually the the advice we give. I don't know, but walk around and take a look. And if you don't see them written up, then, you know, just like you said, ask the show superintendent. Or keep listening. <laughs> yeah. Um, Sheldon Shading from Michigan sent us some advice. Um, another person reminding people to arrive as early as possible to bring chairs and place them across from the show tables. And this is a lot of people get there early because often the first breeds will be listed on the show posters and they like to set up their carriers, their chairs, their little area close to the show table where their rabbits are going to be exhibited, at least for the first time. And that really helps the day run smoothly. People aren't running, you know, across the room all day long. They're kind of, you know, where they need to be, where their rabbits are going to be shown. He also says, to bring extra cash to support the local club at a raffle or the concession stand to always have an extra hole in the travel cage, because there might be something there that you would like to take home with you (laughs) and to listen to judges comments and ask questions. If there is time, Um, like we talked about at the beginning of this episode, we love it when we have time to answer exhibitors questions. There are times when we're rushing through and we really don't have much time. Um, some of it depends too on how those questions are framed. Um, why didn't my rabbit win is not <laughs> really a good way to frame that question. Um, you know, coming back at, after best of breed and saying, um, that fourth place black buck, what did you think of him is not a really good question to ask. <laughs> um, I think, you know, some of my favorites is, you know, when an exhibitor will say, you said such and such about this rabbit. What do you mean by that? That's a time when we can educate. Um, that's a time when we can help you maybe understand some terminology, whether it's something the standard or just something we kind of, you know, use on our own, our own little personal judging vocabulary. Um, but yeah, we do. We welcome respectful questions. We welcome questions from exhibitors who want to learn and understand or just get our take on things. Yeah, I, I love what you just said about, you know, how did that black buck do? It's like, well, four breeds later, like black, what, you know, Yeah. but like saying, Hey, what did it mean? You said something and they'll, they'll often say it in kind of the way we said it, but not they're like something about depth over the hips or uh top line. And then, I'll, and then that usually triggers like, Oh, it probably was this. And then maybe I might draw a picture on a napkin or a scrap piece of paper. And so yeah, those are, those are great cues to, to, to come back with us as to help trigger our, our memory. And, and we are all happy to explain those, you know, provided there's some time, of course. And, and the best time to do it is, of course, after judging, you know, maybe in between a breed, I have to say, I'm going to bring up my boyfriend again, because I did take him to another show. His second show was in Arizona a few weeks ago. And I gave him five minutes of advice on how to get through the rabbit show because he showed my rabbits. Okay. <laughs> And I, it was a show I actually showed rabbits at and I'm like, we have no time. Like, okay, you gotta, you know, if you could kind of groom them like this and then there's, there was only four, there were four dwarfs. Well, he, oh dear God, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't tell him about the part where you're not supposed to 
tell the judge about, you know, who owns the rabbits and everything. So he gets up to the very first show. It was the Neville and Dorf specialty. And he brings up my black buck and he just starts talking to the judge. It was Melissa McGee. And he wasn't like, oh, this is Alan's rabbit, you know, da, 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 da. It was like more like, oh, well, what do you think about this one? You know, oh, that's a cute day. I'm going to think it. I'm like, at the end of the day, I found out that he had been just chatting it up with Melissa on the first show. Berlina Reynolds, bless her, pulled him aside right after the first incident. And she's like, oh, yeah, there's this thing about, you know, anonymity. <laughs> You're not supposed to identify the rabbits to the judge. So, and you and I have seen this too, you know, with, with exhibitors. I'm just, <laughs> I'm laughing. It's all very cute, actually, in retrospect. But my, my own boyfriend did this, by the way. So it can happen to anybody. Yes, it can. And it's, you know, usually it's good natured, um, you know, especially with kids. Mom, this fluffy's up here. Um, (laughs) But and it's actually there's not an ARBA show rule that states that you can't identify your rabbit as a judge. There's people have made that point and they are correct. That is not a show rule. However, there is a show rule about interfering with judging or attempting to influence the judge. And when people are purposely identifying rabbits on the table, and we're not talking about new people who are kind of doing it innocently, but but we've all seen this. You know, people will put the rabbit on the table and say, go for it, Sparky. I hope you'll be a champion <laughs> like your daddy. Um, or let's see if you can win this one again. Um, or sometimes you'll see them, you know, they'll put the rabbits on the table and then maybe you'll move them a little bit or they'll step away and, and they'll, you know, which one was my rabbit? Which one is my rabbit? When you're going through the class and they'll start opening cages and looking at ear numbers. And I'm like, Hey, no, you'll find out which one's yours when it's <laughs> placed. They're mine now. Um, but yeah, there's not an official show rule stating that you cannot identify your animals. However, identifying is construed as an attempt to influence. So it's not a good thing to do. Now, afterwards, after your rabbit is finished, if it's, you know, placed second in the class or below, you know, if it's not one best of variety, once it's done, you can definitely ask the judge, say, you know, identify your rabbit, say, hey, this is my rabbit. What would you do about this or that? Or why do you think, you know, this black mini sand has blue gray eyes? Um, but not until that rabbit is absolutely done showing. Great advice. Stephen Guti writes in, don't be afraid to talk to people. These are knowledgeable and friendly people from all over and at every show. I've learned in less than a year that this is a hobby and industry full of great people willing to share knowledge and lend a hand. The one thing I would suggest is to make sure that when your breed is supposed to go on the table, you should know when it is supposed to go on the table, as we've said numerous times already on this podcast. Um, If you don't know when, then ask someone who has your breed. If you don't want to ask them, then follow their lead. A well-run show can be hectic, as we know, and a good way to keep people happy is to be at the table when your breed is ready to be judged. So again, being an active participant. Great advice, Stephen. Alex McLean also added, also the other thing to keep in mind for showing is to pay attention. So many times I do I see new breeders standing on their phone while their animals are given comments and critiques by the judge. These comments are so important to bettering your animal and herd. I just always have the mindset to ensure each and every show is a learning experience. Every single judge has an important opinion that's key to learning so much about each breed. And lastly, always ask questions. When I was new and first getting started, I was so scared of the judges. I looked at them as celebrities, which I still do. (laughs) But they're people just like all of us, and they're always happy to answer your questions about your animals. They all love talking rabbits and cavies. And I like this. Um, I saw a comment on a post the other day about judges being chatty with exhibitors. And my reply to this is, 
we can't please everybody. There are people who prefer for us to keep our heads down and to interact only very minimally with the exhibitors. And they think that that's what we should be doing. There are people who want us to put on a full song and dance routine and pass (laughs) out candy and ask to take pictures with them and, you know, make sure that we, when handing every rabbit off, make sure to shower with some more praise. This, I mean, you can't please everybody. Um, And my response to that was, you know, we're people too. We, this is a social outfit for judges as well. Sometimes the only time we get to say hi to a friend during a busy show day is while we're judging. So if the content of the conversation doesn't have anything to do with the way the animals are being placed, um, just just take it as us enjoying this hobby the way that you do. I know sometimes for me, um, if I'm working with a breed like maybe Holland Lops for the third time in the day, <laughs> or Britannia Petites, or something where Sunday, it takes a yeah. while to, yeah, it's something it takes a while to pose. That's when I really will chat with the exhibitors because if the rabbit is being a little feisty. Just chatting with an exhibitor while I keep, you know, working steadily with my hands, it keeps me from getting frustrated with the rabbit. Um, So it really, it can help the judging process. And I think most of us know how to manage that. Yeah, totally. That's great advice. And, you know, they hear your voice and they, sometimes the rabbits, those, those jumpy hollop junior does, especially will, will actually kind of uh, lend themselves to a little more uh, appropriate behavior so they can get a, a good view by the judge. And, you know, too, when, when we have a lot of rabbits to judge in a day, you know, if, if we know we're like up against a very big lineup, um, there's not a lot of time afforded for, for chit chat and our job there, we are hired. And sometimes we fly and these shows pay a lot of money to get us there, you know, with airfare and it's just ridiculous right now and hotel bills and everything else, you know, our job first and foremost is to judge those rabbits. And I'm one of those judges that, yeah, I'm, I'm chatty afterwards, but you know, when I get to the job, I'm probably going to be looking down and, and focusing on my work. Cause uh, it's, that's gotta be done. That's first and foremost. So uh, next comment comes from Jacob Mueller. He says, arrive early, which Karen said earlier, it'll help you by finding a good parking spot. Great point. And a good site to set up within the showroom and to make sure your entries are correct uh, and that your animals are groomed and be prepared to move to make room for others. And this uh, elaborates on a point that you made earlier, Brian, about, you know, setting up camp and being mindful of those around us. And it's true. If we get to a show early and there's a lot of room and we do set up <laughs> a large area and then entries come in and exhibitors come in and suddenly it's like, whoa, there's no room for the person and the people that are showing up, you know, a little bit later than us. So be prepared to condense your space and make room for others. Sometimes those showrooms are smaller. Uh, we will continually be faced as show organizers with expensive show venues. And sometimes those show venues are the only ones we can afford are, are the smaller ones. So it means that we've all got to be a little bit more crowded than we would like to be. So being mindful of those aisles and exhibitors coming in and making room for our friends because, uh, and our family, it is one big rabbit and KB family. So making room for our peers is important. Uh, he goes on Jacob to say, uh, keep space and items contained as much as you can, as we talked about. And he says, if you can fit three entries in a space, uh, maybe think about uh, how it would look like if there were 10 people in that space. Um, be kind to everyone, exhibitors, visitors, judges, volunteers. Everyone is there to have a good time. The show staff and the runners are all volunteers, as you said earlier, Bryony. They are making the show possible for all of us so that we can be there. So you know, make way for them and, and, and thank them, help them and make them want to continue putting on shows. We've all been to shows where we helped out and we're like, oh my gosh, no one is grateful in this place. No one, no one cares what we've done. And we haven't slept the night before and we're exhausted. Um, so it's nice to hear a thank you and appreciation. Jacob goes on to say, uh, don't make comments about how you'd place in that class, 
uh, so that others can hear. That's a good etiquette, you know, point, you know, <laughs> don't, you know, that fish that, that, that got away kind of thing. Like, well, if I had brought that buck, well, that one would have done well. That's probably not going to go very well. Um, others will be annoyed by this and it often just comes out rude. And it's also, as we talked about earlier, it's unethical to, you know, reveal your ownership to the judges as, as they're being judged and you know, kind of be anonymous. It's, it's a good thing. Um, and also lastly, Jacob says, clean up after yourself after the show. The club has a lot to do when it comes to cleaning up trash and things and putting show coops away. It's a lot of heavy equipment. So the more we can do to help clean up the uh, less time and, and, and wear and tear on our show staff that they'll have to go through at the end of the day. Yes. All good advice. And, um, I like the point about being good to the volunteers to make sure that they want to keep going. You know, you see some of these show volunteers that are just kind of run ragged after the day. And and sometimes they'll look at each other and say, do we really want to do this again? (laughs) So really just a little thanks and a little courtesy goes a long, long, long way um, for setting up event like this. So Christy Hattelstadt had some advice about youth shows. She says, Youth show is a youth show, so youth should put rabbits on the table, not adults, even if you have to grab a kid standing by to help have them load it. She says to stand back from the table, give the judges room, and allow everyone to see, don't crowd the table, and to be friendly, humble, kind, and have fun. So this is kind of a hot topic at shows. Um, Another kind of misunderstanding is that there is an ARBA show rule stating that youth must put youth rabbits on the table. There is not. However, many clubs have decided to put that rule in their show catalogs as is their right. And in that case, um, youth rabbits must be put on a table by a youth. This is kind of a hot topic. It has been for years. Um, We've all seen it. Um, Youth is for kids who have their own rabbits. Those are what the youth classes are for. Anyone can show an open, absolutely anyone. Um, We can tell pretty quickly, judges can, which are parent projects and which are actually youth projects. Sometimes these rules, at least to me, are a little tough to enforce because sometimes you've got a youth breeder who's very active in their hobby and is off doing something, you know, very worthwhile while their rabbits are up on the table. You know, maybe they only have one or two rabbits in one breed, but they're writing at the table for a judge for their main breed. Or maybe they are working for a show for their registrar's license. Or, you know, maybe they're doing any number of other things right at that moment when one or two rabbits need to go to the table. Um, But if it is in the show rules, make sure a youth puts that up. Um, And if you have a family project and there are more rabbits than the youth breeder can manage, that may be a family project that needs to show and open. Um, And maybe that'll hit some people the wrong way. But we see a lot of this. You know, we see... um, Exhibitors come to the table where the parent refers the rabbit as mine, where the parent's just handing kids rabbits to take back and forth, sometimes even to the point where the kid gets confused and frazzled and maybe kind of starts to get upset and doesn't enjoy what they're doing. Um, we see sometimes where after the show is all over and done with, we ask, who do these rabbits belong to? An adult's hand shoots up. <sighs> we can tell the parent projects. Um, you know, I wonder sometimes... What is the purpose of, you know, kind of overloading a kid with this? You know, I'm not a parent, but my parents found fulfillment in 
watching me set goals and watching me work to achieve them on my own with appropriate level of help. Um, and that's what this hobby is about. And, you know, and there are a lot of parents that are really bitten by the rabbit book. And you know what? That's great. You can get your breed or your variety. You can show rabbits in open. Um, and maybe that's going to make this all more enjoyable for you. Um, but be cognizant that, that youth is for youth. It's, it's not for parents. It, you made some great points and it often is that elephant in the room where it's like, okay, whose rabbits really are these? Are these the kids or are they moms? When she's saying my rabbit, this get muffin, muffin, my senior dough. Like it's, I hate it. I, I, I would, it's one of the worst moments when I'm judging uh, a youth class to hear the mom as the active participant and the kid off on the bleachers or the kid drugged to the table who, as you said, is confused because they don't know what's going on. You know, it's not their project. And as I often say, when I'm judging so much of one of the questions um, I'll give, or not questions, one of the comments I'll give after I judge a show much of class and I'm giving out awards is, you know, act like you want to be there. If the kid doesn't want to be there, if the kid doesn't want to show rabbits and mom and dad does or do, then, then mom and dad should be doing it. There are so many things kids can do these days. I don't have kids either. Like, like you said, but I know there's a lot of great things for kids to do. And the, the worst thing that you could do is make a kid do something they don't want to do. And it's, it precipitates down all the way to the judge when, when those kind of you know, those episodes happen. So, um, it, and, and by the way, I would love if every kid in the world wanted to show rabbits, like I would be so excited. It would just make my, my life, but let's face it. Not every kid does. So, and, and you said too, you know, if it's mom and dad's project, then it should be. And how many times do we see youth age out and mom and dad were bringing those kids to their shows all those years. And now the kids aged out, the kid goes to college, kid never comes back to rabbits, but mom and dad are like, Hey, I still have the bug. And they go on to be very successful rabbit breeders. And if not judges, there are so many judges that have licenses because it was their kid's hobby first. And they, of course, I'm not saying that they were the ones that were like, Oh, that's my rabbit. Yeah. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is that there is a hobby. There is an industry. There is an interest. There is a something to do for everyone in the family. So, as you said, mom and dad have your own rabbits. Let the kid do what they what they want to do, and it may not be going to rabbit shows. You know, and if it is, let the kids enjoy it. You know, I, again, I'm not a parent, but I've watched many years of this. I, I, several years ago at a show, a little guy about seven years old came up to me and my friend and said. I think I'm getting out of rabbits, you know, like a just hardcore 50 year breeder. And we said like stifled <laughs> some giggles. And we're like, Oh, why is that? He goes, my mom won't let me play with them or anything. She just tells me when I have to put them on the table, uh, you know, and I'm thinking if kids, if they like being at the show because they sit there and they hold their rabbit and it's a mini Rex and it, you know how they get, they get warm and gooey and disgusting <laughs> when someone has held them for a while before the show, they just, they feel gross. But if that's what the kid enjoys, let them, you know, if it kind of makes the coat yucky and the rabbit doesn't place well, you know, if they love the fur off of it and <laughs> they, they realize that they're not winning because of that and winning is important to them, they'll change, but let them enjoy it. You know, let them find what they want in the hobby. You know, you get kids who want to get into breeds or varieties that are kind of obscure because that's what catches their attention. Let them. Um, I had a parent that just started a couple weeks ago and they came up and they said, you know, this breed and variety, is this a good starter? And my response was, 
that's not something that's typically competitive for best in show. However, the best first rabbit is a rabbit that the kid's really interested in. Um, we've all got to have something we like, you know, and I know for me, I have my Dutch, which I love, but I've also always had something else in the barn that I got just because it made me smile. I had chinchilla mini Rex for a while. Are they the most competitive? No, they are not. <laughs> I did pretty well with them. You know, I bred them up. I was proud of what I did with them. Um, and then I moved them on and I got gold English spots again. Is that the variety that's <laughs> winning everything? No, it's not. I've bred some good ones. I'm proud of but it just, it makes me happy to look at them. I think they're pretty and I enjoy them. And everyone needs to find enjoyment in this hobby. And if a kid is, does not enjoy shows because they don't get to participate and have fun, then they're only going to stick around as long as they're made to. Uh, I agree a thousand percent. Great advice. All right, we'll get off our soapbox on that one. But you know what, as you said, like this is, this is, it's not, it's not a new topic. This is a burning topic for many, many years. And, uh, We'll just leave it to Brian and Alan to bring it out of the out of the out of the corners. All right, <laughs> let's go on to some further advice. Mary Eve Boisclair, she lives way way up. I've judged for her in uh, northern Quebec. I, I did a show for her once. Her very first show, I drove or flew to Toronto and then drove ten hours to her show in Rumblecar. It was a beautiful countryside. This lady is dedicated, and she goes to all the conventions, too. It doesn't matter where she lives. She says, just do it. This is so Mariev. Go out there and bring a rabbit to a show and learn and enjoy and get hooked. So if you knew Mariev, you would say that is definitely her quote. And she would probably say it in French, too, by the way. <laughs> I love that. Great advice. Just do it. Um, Chad Ewing says, when first starting in the hobby, spend a little bit more money to get a good rabbit from a reputable breeder. Do your research before breeders before you jump in. You know, I've realized recently as I watch some new families get into 4-H, it's kind of hard to know where to start and where you do your research. A lot of people want to start looking online. They want to start looking in local or breed Facebook groups. And as those of us who are seasoned breeders know, you get quite a variety of quality in those groups. And it can sometimes be hard to discern that. Um, so my best advice for someone who wants to do that research Join your national breed club. Look for someone who at least belongs to that club in your area. Um, look at show reports for shows that you are, you know, thinking of attending that are in your area and see who does well at those shows. That's a good way to find a reputable breeder. Yeah, totally. And uh, that lends into the next comment from uh, Paul Coppin, who says, find a great mentor, you know, and this is, maybe we didn't word it like this earlier, but it's been said time and time again in this episode is find someone to, to follow and to lead and, and use as your, as your mentor. And gosh, we love being mentors. We mentor so many people and it may be once, it may be for a long period of time, but find someone that you can rely on for good information and that you trust. And it's probably going to be someone that's been doing this a long time. And those people are usually the most receptive to taking in new people to, uh, to help learn from. Absolutely. And that, you know, rolls into a comment from ARBA judge Penny Jackson, who says, my best advice, and I've said this over and over, no question is dumb or stupid. Everyone started as a newbie once. Be a mentor of the youth. They're our future. Most of all, listen to them. Yeah, totally get it. Penny's Penny's one of those that she's a very warm and, and loving person as a judge and exhibitor and breeder. And uh, it's just great advice from her. Uh, Lacey Kate writes in and she says, I have learned a lot recently by writing for judges. And it was one of the best experiences to date. I learned so much about my breed and the thought process of a judge. I now feel more confident in evaluating my herd. I also wrote for a breed I was interested in. 
I decided against going with that breed after writing for the judge when they judged that breed. As much as I love that breed, I learned it didn't fit into my goals I had for my own rabbitry. Also, remember that shows can be stressful for you and your rabbits. Grab your favorite coffee. I agree there. Eat good food and make friends. Breathe and have a blast. The great thing about the rabbit community is it's like family and we all love showing. So we are all there to help. Such good advice, Lacey, on so many levels. And I I tell people all the time, if you want to learn more, get behind the table. It's totally free to do. If it's the first time you've ever written for a judge, it's not nearly as ominous as, as it might come across at a lot of shows. There aren't even comment cards. It's as simple as writing down numbers for placements and it's a bird's eye view from the judge's perspective and a great way to learn. You know, and sometimes people jump in and learn to write because no one else will. Um, and we're definitely grateful for that. We, we hope that anyone will step up to help and show that initiative when needed. But if this is something you want to do, I th- a really good plan is sometime when it's not an emergency, sit down with a writer um, at one of these shows where they have a table for the writers, sit down with a writer and ask to help or ask if they can teach you how to do it. So by the time that you get to a show where, oh no, we can't start judging this breed until someone's willing to write, you feel confident in what you're doing. Absolutely. And there's been some really good articles in the Domestic Rabbits magazine about you know, how to comment, take, how to write for a judge. And uh, we started this podcast by you asking me, you know, what would you do if you were going to learn more information and going to ARBA.net and being an ARBA member and getting that Domestic Rabbits magazine six times a year. It comes every other month. There's so much good information in there. And it, oftentimes it pertains to basic stuff like writing for a judge. James Wright writes in, James White writes in with a comment, be kind to and help people new to shows if you're more experienced. It's off-putting when newbies are treated poorly at shows when we need to be welcoming them and helping them to learn about the hobby. Be kind to judges. Judges and rabbits have good days and bad days, and there's no point in being rude because your rabbit didn't do well or win, or the judge wasn't sugarcoating it with comments. Uh, Take comments home and use them to improve your herd. Great advice, James. And I will say I've had good days and I've had bad days, and I try to sugarcoat when I have those bad days, but sometimes it doesn't, it doesn't work out. So thank you for understanding all of our perspectives as well. Yes. And, you know, and try as we might, there are days when we judge post COVID. I think everyone's been a lot more understanding about not judging when we're sick, but there are days when we've judged when we were sick, when we are injured, when we had a really short night because of flight delays or horrible travel schedules as much as we try, we're not on our game every day and neither are the rabbits. So we do appreciate that understanding and, and a little bit of that kind of helps mitigate some of those bad days. Oh, totally. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be apologizing to my, my exhibitors tomorrow. Cause I'm not going to get much sleep tonight <laughs> recording a podcast here in Houston, but I love doing it and I love being there to judge. So it's all worth it. All right. We're going to wrap up now with uh, some encouragement from our, our listeners and, you know, We've all had our first show. That's that's how I'm going to take it. We were all there first. We all had, as someone said earlier in one of their comments, crappy rabbits. You know, I went to my first show. I showed a lot of crappy rabbits. In fact, I showed dozens of shows before I had good rabbits and figured it out. I can't tell you how many years I was in it before I won my first best in show. Um, but I had mentors, and I, I I loved the people around me, and they loved they loved sharing what they knew with me, and that was the magic, and that's why I got hooked. So, for a lot of us veterans, you know, we, we go into these shows and we're like, Oh, you know, it's another show. But, um, sometimes I have to pinch myself and step back and go, what would it be like if the people on my side of the table, what if I was them? What if it was my first show? What would it be like for them? And, um, 
you know, agriculture showing animals is sort of a dying industry around the world. And if exhibitors don't have a good day, they probably won't come back. So treating our exhibitors and as if it was there for a show, sometimes I have to, I have to step back and, and think like that. And also too, I don't nine to five. I do this for a living. This is my, my this is my life. Um, but for a lot of people, rabbit shows on the weekends, that's their getaway. Like that is their therapy. That's their escape from <laughs> what they did all week and their job they don't like. So being nice to those people, whether you're a judge, an exhibitor, being nice to the people around you in the community and those volunteers who maybe nine to five and then went home and, and plugged in secretary input entries all week long to get ready for the show and then have to do it afterwards. It's just being kind to others. I think that's just, that's how I would take it. What about you? Yeah, I agree. You know, we talked earlier about someone who shows up with the right attitude, they'll fit in. You know, if you show up wanting to make friends, if you show up, you know, not afraid to ask questions, if you show up ready to help where you can, um, and just ready to have a good time, meet people, that sort of energy is infectious, you know, and you'll have a good time. Most people find that they fit into this hobby easily. Of course, you know, it's never 100%. But pretty much every time I've heard someone complain, oh, people, you know, I just, people weren't nice to me. I didn't fit in. And, and not from one show, but like over and over and over again. Um, you know, usually those of us on the outside can kind of pinpoint a reason. You know, maybe it's someone that doesn't want to be part of it. Maybe it's someone who um, is a little abrupt or demanding with others. Um, you know, maybe it's someone who won't take advice. Um but, you know, if you show up with the attitude of being part of this, then then you'll be fine. You really will. Yeah, I totally agree. Just uh, showing up and, uh, you know, maybe not having the highest expectations, but you can expect one thing, and that's to have a really great time. And uh, coming in there with an open mind, it's the best way to be. Absolutely. So, Alan, what do you call that gross buildup that happens in the rabbit's favorite corner of their cage? Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. They are creatures of habit and that favorite corner can get really disgusting. I raise Dutch and my bucks are the worst. So I kind of call it buck sludge and it is a nasty mess. Uh, especially when they molt and the fur clumps up. It's the number one cause for rusting and failure of cage floors. Trying to get to that corner in the back. It's the worst part of chores. I call it the corner I need to wear a miner's flashlight to even see. Okay, well, to be honest, I use less appropriate terms for that corner, but I do wear a miner's cap with a light to see that back corner. You know what, though? I think I found a solution and one that's going to help save my floors. Oh, do tell, wise one. So I just received this cool contraption from KW Cages called the Magic Corner Cleaner. It's designed to fit perfectly in the corner with special blades that fit in between the wires and make quick work of removing any built-up debris. I found that it works, well, like magic. <laughs> wow, Bryony. Well, I have to check that out. And just a reminder to all of our listeners that if you're interested in this amazing new product, which I certainly have to get myself, visit the KW Cages website. That's kwcages.com. And use the promo code TheRabbitry and you get $10 off any order over $75. So visit kwcages.com. Again, promo code is TheRabbitry to get $10 off any order over $75. And make sure you check out that magic corner cleaner for cleaning those things that I can't even describe because it's absolutely disgusting. 
And to finish up this episode, reminder to all of our listeners that the rabbit tree on Facebook will continue to serve as our hub each and every week for current and past episodes and lots more to come. This is episode 35 and Brian and I have loads more in store with lots of great listeners uh, to chime in with their comments and also some of the wisest words from those most veteran people in our industry. Whether you listen to us on Apple, Spotify, Google, or Audible, Best in Show, the podcast is on it. So please share those posts on Facebook. Tell your friends about it. There's a lot of good stuff here and we will continue to share with each and every one of you. We also love your five-star ratings and your comments, which we do read every episode. And this episode was dedicated to a lot of listener comments. And we want to thank all of our listeners for chiming in and filling out this episode, which sometimes experts, well, I don't call myself an expert because I don't feel like an expert, but let's call us veterans, like veterans like us, which we take for granted some of these things. You guys helped us to fill in those gaps and help out those new people that are in rabbits, whether you're new or whether it's your 50th year doing that, there's something to learn for everybody. And as Brian and I love to do each and every week, we finish with a quote and I've got a good one. And by the way, I got uh, kind of hooked on Julia Child lately. I was on an airplane flying somewhere to judge and I love documentaries. I'm a nerd. And there was a, a brand new one on Netflix called Julia. And I really recommend it. I'm, I, I can't cook. I mean, if anyone that knows me knows that I microwave my food, like <laughs> I'm all about lean cuisines, but I watched this Netflix documentary on Julia and I found it really inspiring. So I'm going to end with a quote that lends really well to this podcast. And it is from Julia Child. And she says, as always, remember, if you drop the lamb, you can always just pick it up. Who's going to know? So Julia Child actually began cooking. <laughs> she actually began cooking uh, professionally on TV when she was 51 years old. So she spent a lifetime not as a professional chef, didn't do it until she was 51 and became one of the most world recognized faces in the kitchen uh, to date. And she cooked all the way until two days before her 92nd birthday when she passed away. So thank you, Julia Child, for that great quote. All right, Bryony, take us away. And as always, until the next time, talk rabbits and talk capies. While this podcast would not be possible without the American Rabbit Breeders Association, it does not constitute an official communication of the association. The information, viewpoints, and opinions expressed herein are those of the hosts and our guests and are not endorsed by the ARBA. To learn more about the ARBA, please visit www.arba.net.